only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, team. Welcome to my animation. My name is Blake, and this is Merv. Yo. And today we are talking about the mythical anime movie that most people have heard about, or at least heard of the saying before, and that is Ghost in the Shell. This is Anime Shoshin. Are you ready? So a little bit about Ghost in the Shell. It was actually the first anime movie to be released in Japan, in Britain, and in the United States at the same time. So it was when they were first trying to get anime to be more of an international thing. Uh, and it actually came out in 1995, which was a really big year for movies. A bunch of really good movies came out in 1995. I'll show some of those on the screen, but... If you are just listening, some movies that came out in 1995 include Braveheart, Seven, Casino, Heat. A ton of really good movies came out in 1995. Ghost in the Shell is based on a... The 90s are underrated for movies. You hear about the 80s movies all the time, but 90s are also underrated for quality, quality movies. Very underrated, especially if you think about what's coming out. (laughs) <laughs> in the 2020s like I, I was thinking right. about that as I was going through this list and there's literally like 15 I could have listed even more like 20 amazing movies that came out in this one year and I'm thinking well what did we get in the past year a couple a mediocre Marvel movie and maybe like one or two that were decent two mediocre Marvel movies yeah yeah so not not exactly the uh golden age of of cinema currently so um, if anyone's looking for some entertainment and you haven't seen all these movies, definitely look at 95. Right. If you were born post-1995, look back at some of these. Yeah. 93, 95, 96. Really good. 94, another really good year. Yeah. Well, 93 was Jurassic Park, so that's kind of a tentpole. And then... Yeah, yeah, for sure. The version we watched is actually the 2014 remaster, but everything is the same other than upgraded visuals and uh, a couple of changes for voice acting. So nothing plot-wise or story-wise got changed. And it's based on a 1989 manga. So you kind of see it in the style. It, It feels a little 80s yet, and there's some 90s mixed in there too. So it's right on the cusp of the change in the decades there. All right, let's rate this movie uh john ken pon style will you recommend this to us first comes rock john ken pon all right you ready yep all right 
First comes Rock, John Ken Pon. I gave it a four. All right. I gave it a two. And I've had a feeling that's where you were going to go. And, and just as a reminder for Bob, and if anyone else watches this, hey, Bob, uh, we've committed to no middling, right? We've committed to right. no boring ratings of we gave it average in its average. Right. Oh, it's so so. We may or may not. Because there's always going to be caveats to these things like, oh, you're giving it a, a one, so you wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Well, no, if someone came up to me and was like, I really like this certain particular thing. Oh, check out this one, you know, but I'm mm -hmm. not going to uh, like a one generally means or a two even would mean I'm not going to bring it up to people. Right. Or a four right. or a five might be like I would bring it up to people as something to look at. It's interesting you said that because I thought very deeply about that exact question. If someone came up to me and they were like, hey, I want to watch a sci-fi anime that deals with deep human philosophical things. And hopefully we'll get to it. Also, I wanted to have ghost in the title. <laughs> Do you have yeah. anything you could recommend? I, I can't think of anything right. off the top yeah. of my head. Other than the ghost thing, there actually is another anime I would recommend over this. And ultimately, that is what made me go from four to two. Oh, okay. When I thought about that recommend question, I'm like, man, there's this other one. And hopefully we'll get to it. So I'm not going to spoil it. But okay. Um, But let's talk a little bit about what it's about. It is necessary to set the record straight regarding our tale. You must study this series of events. You may find more. You may not. So, in the not-too-distant future, when the corporate networks fill the Earth with electronic and optical communication lines, but society has not yet been too computerized to erase nations and races. So that's the little blurb. That's the what they beginning. say, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of the, of the film. It's 2029. I'll be honest, I'll be kind of surprised if we have the tech. This happens a lot in movies, right? Mer right. I, I'll be surprised if we have this tech in that few years. But uh, it's 2029 in That's the movie. That's uh, why Robocop was so smart to never put the year. Yeah, that is very smart. Because even if you look at the Terminator movies, I think they do that too, where it's like, we've already passed that. Right, and we yeah. don't have near that tech. Back to the Future, there's plenty. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's Section 9 of the police department, and it's full of officers who are biohacked. They have, uh, you know, cybernetic eyes and brain augmentations and all kinds of stuff. And basically, Section 9 is the enforcement arm of the Cybercrime Police Division. They even have a cyborg... Major Motoko Kusanagi, and uh, she is our often naked protagonist in Ghost in the Shell. Very often. I was shocked. Yeah. In this world, biohacks and augmentation are very normal. And at the beginning of the film, there's a garbage man who had memories implanted into his mind that he had a wife and a kid and that he was struggling and arguing with this wife or ex-wife um, about the kid. 
and you find out a little bit later on when section nine catches up with him that he's been a bachelor for at least the past 10 years never had a wife never had a kid so he gets picked up by section nine and it's in connection with a hacker known as the puppet master uh, the major and her partner Batau, Batau, Batau. I think it's Batau. Batau. Yeah, I have done. Yeah. Are hanging out. Batu. At towards the beginning. Batu. Batu. I think it was. They're hanging out, and the beginning of Corinthians thirteen from the Bible gets brain communicated to both of them. It's just kind of this weird moment that happens, but it's the beginning of the passage of Corinthians 13 from the Bible. And this kind of starts, you start to figure out that they're not just talking in their heads. They actually can communicate, you know, kind of telepathically with each other uh, using the technology. A little bit further on, there's a another not clothed cyborg walking down the street <laughs> and it gets... <laughs> It gets hit by a truck, and uh, then they start talking about ghosts, which are souls, kind of the ghosts in the machine, mm-hmm. um, or souls in the cyborgs. And it and they talk about how, you know, ghosts can kind of be moved around digitally, almost like a file, right? Like the, so, the ghost of the puppet master was put into this cyborg. Um, but anyway, they talk about the, I'll get to that in just a sec. They talk about the puppet master again, the most notorious hacker in the history of cybercrime. Turns out section six, which is the intelligence arm of kind of the cyber crime division, uh, got the puppet master to put his consciousness or his ghost into that cyborg that then got hit by the truck. And then Section 6 said that they killed his physical body. So they said they kind of waited for his consciousness or his ghost to go into that cyborg and then they killed his body. Or so they say. Because then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. the cyborg that got hit by the truck wakes up and the puppet master starts speaking through it and says, you will not find a corpse because I've never had a body. So it sounds like they're dealing with an entity that's only ever been digital. Uh, The puppet master then asks for political asylum. Then there's a bunch of philosophical discussions around what is life. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's explosions and gunfire that happen and the cyborg containing the puppet master's ghost is gone. Section 9 is tasked with either recapturing the puppet master or destroying it, him, you know, whichever nomenclature you want to use. So they either have to capture it or get rid of it. They chase the puppet master for a while until the major catches up and there's the very famous fight scene from this movie between her and the mech tank. Like that's a very known kind of fight scene both in this and the live action film. And at the towards the end of the fight, the major like rips herself apart trying to open up the tank. Then her partner Batau Batau shows up and finishes the tank off with the what he calls the big gun. So that's what took him so long to get there is he had to stop off and get the big gun. Then the major dives into the puppet master, so they kind of link their minds together. 
the puppet master talks about how it's codenamed 2501 and it's industrial espionage and intelligence manipulation. Through these efforts, he became aware of his existence. The puppet master links to the major privately at this point and says that he's been trying to reach her specifically. Then there's more discussion about what is life. And uh, he asks at the end of that philosophical conversation to merge with her and create a new entity by merging their two ghosts together. I guess they, he wants to kind of ha like ha have them merge and be like a digital baby because one of the things he talks about is, you know, he can't reproduce or die. And those are some things that, you know, make him not necessarily alive or some philosophical version of that. They talk for a while and then they get blasted by a helicopter, which I believe is section nine. They kind of talk about it at the, at the end, but I think that's section nine kind of trying to cover this all up. Then they, the helicopter retreats as the rest of section six shows up for backup. I thought it was section six, but I very well could be wrong. I thought it was section six trying to cover everything up, but section nine was in on it at some point as well. Yeah. Then a, a cyborg little girl wakes up. Batao had found the little girl cyborg body for the major and put her ghost in it. They talk for a minute and she says, thanks, but I'm going. And she never thanks him for getting her a new body and for saving her or their life. Uh, she blabs about Corinthians 13 some more. <laughs> and then she admits that she merged with the puppet master. It's kind of fitting that they are now in a younger cyborg body because effectively they had their kid, right? They had their little cyborg kid. Then there's a, uh, where are we going to go now? And what are we going to do now? Statement. And then roll credits. And then the movie ends, which surprised me that it ended right there. <laughs> I saw, I saw yeah. it in IMAX actually. And the people behind me, one of them said, well, the movie's over because his um, partner there had fallen asleep <laughs> and she said it's not over and i'm like there's no way it's even close to being over and then the credits rolled so he knew yeah and i did not it is an hour and 20 minute movie and uh we'll talk i've got some comments about that it is a section of a manga yeah i have some comments about that as well yeah right so it's almost like a movie that was made of just one arc of a manga so they did make subsequent mm -hmm. films and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I saw there's but a bunch of even a TV show, right? Or a TV series. That does bring me to a very related tangent that I would like to go on for just a minute if you are down. I'm down. And it also has to do with these very interesting glasses that I'm wearing. And I'd like to talk a minute about biohacking because biohacking is a is a huge theme in this movie and augmenting your body and your brain and what your musculature and all that. And we are in a very weird infancy of this. I don't think we're going to get as advanced as they were in this film in the next few years, but there are some biohacks, quote unquote, that are currently going on. And it comes in a few different forms. So one is the one that we all do. So we all are... Uh, and according to Elon Musk, he's also commented on this, and I, I very much agree, so I don't want to take credit for this thought because it was his, but 
we already kind of are cyborgs because of these. Although they're not, you know, attached inside of our bodies, we really are connected at the hip to these devices, whether it's wearables, smartphones, whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the biohacking that everyone does. Smartphones, wearables, the computer we're using to record this on right now, that type of thing. That's the one that's ubiquitous currently. Then there's also one called Nutra Genomics, which is using your genetic makeup to design a nutrition supplement and or prescription drug plan to op optimize your health and capabilities. So this one's a little boring. It just means basically getting a, a map of your genome of your genetics, you know, 23andMe or whatever and using those diagnostics to set a diet and supplement plan for yourself. So that's, that is a form of biohacking that exists today. Mine came back ice cream and blueberry cereal. <laughs> that sounds right. That <laughs> yeah. sounds right. So good, good, good. Very helpful. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's also uh, some DIY gene therapy going on right now. Merv, I'm sure you've probably heard of this, but folks who are trying to use CRISPR to edit their own genome. Uh, CRISPR is a recently discovered way to edit the genome that is faster, cheaper, and easier than previous methods that we had. And I can't remember the, the woman's name who found CRISPR. I'll put something up and for the people listening, sorry, you'll just have to look that up yourself. <laughs> but um, but it's it's been very innovative, but since you can find kind of DIY kits because CRISPR is so easy, there's people injecting themselves with who knows what. Um, Sounds perfectly do, safe. Yeah, to do who knows what to their uh, genetic code in their body. Mm -hmm. so that's a, definitely a biohacking or a body hacking. My favorite one, though, is the last one. And these individuals are called grinders. Grinders are the are the the cowboys and cowgirls of of biohacking. So they they're the ones who do a lot of self experimentation using drugs, using implants, other gadgets, and they do this for physical enhancement or aesthetic purposes. From blood testing implants to the iBorg project, and this one's actually kind of cool. They implanted cameras into this blind man's face. And he can now see through these cameras that are connected mm. to his brain. We have things so like uh, cochlear implants as well, like that have been going on for a little while now that of similar, you know, to allow deaf. If you, if you want to, if you're feeling super happy and you just want to cry for a while, just go on the internet and look up videos of kids getting cochlear implants. Oh yeah. I and bet. you just, I it's bet. just a cry fest, like joyous yeah, crying, like not not tearful yes and there was one similar to that with him where there was a banana on the table and he's like looking at it and he's kind of analyzing it out loud and he goes that's this this that's a banana and everyone's <laughs> like whoa mind blown right yeah that's cool i didn't see i haven't seen that but even these glasses that i'm wearing are blue light filtering glasses so everything under the sun gets its turn um, causing cancer. And what I mean by that is just about everything that exists in the world at some point, someone says it causes cancer, right? And one of the things that people say causes cancer 
is the blue light that comes from all the screens that we're staring at 24 seven. Um, and these glasses filter out the blue light. I actually use them because if I'm doing a ton of editing or if I'm in front of the computer for just eight, 12, 16 hours, it does help me not get headaches. So get this, this even, yeah. yeah, is a form of a biohack. I mean, I have contact lenses in biohack. Yeah. 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 I've had LASIK. You could also say that's, I remember hack, when you had LASIK. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a long, it was like 20 years ago. Yeah, but, those um, big old people sunglasses for like yes. two weeks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, super fun. But there's some weirder ones too. People implant magnets into their fingertips, I've, and it I've allows them to sense, I don't know, computer stuff. Uh, it's not really clear the, benef the benefits of that. Well, that's a shark, right? Don't sharks sense electromagnetic fields? It's like their their own sixth sense. Yeah, yeah, and. The thought is that people can experience that too and or that was that was foreshadowing for me by the way but continue nice. no one will get it and until or later. destroy all of their uh hotel room keys <laughs> probably mess up their phones because of the magnets so there's I just other replaced, too. i just replaced three uh ceiling fans and i feel like that would have really come in handy because i kept dropping the little screws while trying to hold the ceiling fan like i just need one like right here on my cheek that i can just put screws on yeah yeah well another thing i geek out about because we're big nerds another thing i geek out about is magic tricks right and having those in my fingertips would be huge to like oh look at this thing that i just made up here out of nowhere because i have magnets in my fingers so yeah there's all kinds of things i hit it right there in the yeah grinder oh there's also one that's a chest skin implant that vibrates when you face true north so it's like an implant compass so if true north's over here it'll let me know that i'm facing true north that's Is another that thing stuff that available exists. on amazon you can buy all of this stuff on the internet specifically on amazon sure. it could be our i don't yeah i don't know sponsor. about oh it could be our yeah <laughs> yeah this this show has been has been sponsored by electromagnetic magnets link in the description check it out biohack yourself right or or even blue light sunglasses or blue light glasses yeah yeah uh we do not take any responsibility if you mm -hmm. decide to implant anything inside of yourself because it sounded cool as we were talking about it. So right. that's on you, son or daughter or cousin. The other one that a lot of people do is they'll put little RFID chips and implant it in their skin. And I know that's a big fear also of another set of people. So some are like, I want these RFIDs. It's got my driver's license number on it and my favorite band's name. And then other people are like, that's the worst ever and we're all going down they're gonna make us all get those right but that is a thing that people do i mean i probably wouldn't get one of those implanted but yeah i would pass on that yeah. as well but people put like their passwords in them and they'll read them like so instead of having to use your fingerprint they'll scan their arm or whatever mm -hmm. to unlock their devices i don't even lock my devices with like a pin i'm just like if you find my phone have at it i don't care <laughs> see 37 pictures of my daughter and son and that's all you yeah. get and that's what you're getting enjoy right mm -hmm. yeah. yeah have at it but i want to talk about kind of the community a little bit and i really don't mean this it, it may i have to preface it this may sound like i'm dogging them and I, i'm not 
but I do want to talk about the community a little bit. So they tend to use a lot of like big words and make big claims about what biohacking is and where it can and probably will go. And I think the latter is very true. I think it can and will go to places like what we see in Ghost in the Shell. Where it is right now, though, I don't think is near what it's made to sound like. And you'll probably pick that up because a lot of the things I talked about don't sound that cool. Right. Like risk versus reward. Well, it just sounds like uh, something you could just hold in your hand, but instead you had it implanted under your skin. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It could be something you wear on your face instead of getting installed into your eyes right. or it's something you wear on your wrist instead of getting installed under your skin. Yep, you're absolutely right. So to me, the risk, the benefits are anecdotal, they're inconsistent, and the risk versus reward just isn't there. So for example, there's one, and I'll, again, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I'll throw a picture up. This guy had like this big brick of a sensor installed into his forearm and it just looks grotesque. Mm -hmm. And right now, the only thing it can do is check his temperature. So he's got this big brick <laughs> in his arm that's literally the same as taking a thermometer and right up. I the, mean, you don't even have to do that. The, I got one that you just go across your forehead. It's not super accurate, but that's the thing. Supposedly this one is super accurate, but also super accurate. Is, right. You know, going downtown with your thermometer. Yeah. yeah. I think uptown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's either going to be a garage based biohacker that stumbles upon something that is actually functional and actually beneficial, which I think very much could happen. Or what's probably more likely are projects like Elon Musk's Neuralink uh, is going to happen and that will change humanity forever. So if you're not familiar, Neuralink is going to be implants put into the brain that will help rewire the circuitry of the brain, right? Because the brain is electrical signals in our head. So it only stand to reason that we could, you know, wire those like we wire a house. And this can help with Alzheimer's. This can help with, um, what's the shaky one? That uh, Parkinson's. Fox at Parkinson's. Yep. Can help with Parkinson's, all kinds of other things. And then the even further down the road of this is that it could connect us to each other or the internet. And the implications of that are... Yeah, the transhumanism. Huge. Yes, exactly. So I feel like that's probably... it's. You get a bunch of people, and this, this is one of those topics where you get people... Like you kind of said on both sides, like, oh, this is all, I hate this stuff. It's the worst. Or like, oh, this is our savior and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Well, the true answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Like it's great to help blind people. It's great to help deaf people, paraplegics, whatever. Um, people who want to be helped from their disability is all that's, that's like what we should be focusing on first. Then if there's some, oh, we've also like with the space program, we also made the microwave. That's yeah. that's the second. That's like later, you know, I, I agree 100 percent. And I think if anyone wants to know whether or not us linking up together is good or bad. I agree. It's it's both. Just look at the Internet. Right. So the Internet, I know so much more because of the Internet than I would without it. Merv, you know so much more because of the Internet than you would. Without I know it. a lot already, <laughs> but more, even more than <laughs> already. So books are great. The internet, though, is you can just get to the meat of it immediately. And it's all about efficacy and it's all about efficiency in that way. But on the other hand, 
I don't know any phone numbers anymore except for phone numbers from 20 years ago, which I still remember yeah. like 30. Yeah, that's a good point. And also, people on the internet are garbage to each other. That happens. I mean, they're they're terrible to each other. It's right. the the worst of us is also on the internet. There's also that's because of anonymity. Whereas if you're all connected and you know who's saying things, maybe it's more like you know when you're walking down the street and you see someone like walking their dog, you don't go like, "I hate dogs. Cats are better. Everyone with a dog is stupid." You don't say that to a person in real life. But right, on the internet, right. people do that kind of stuff all the time. That would be the hope is that we would, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we would get from kind of this away from just the self-serving ones and into the more community-based ones. But that would change us irrevocably. Right. So interesting to consider. And then also, hopefully, it doesn't make us so that we're all easily controlled and it's a hive mind like bees. Yeah. Just serving the queen. Yeah, that would be bad, too. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unless I'm the queen, mm. then that would be all right. Have you heard of this? This is a tangent off of a tangent. Nice. They also found that the flu virus affects the way people behave. And so they wondered, because they were studying HIV, and they noticed that towards the end of a person with HIV's life, that they got um, really horny. Mm. Like really wanted to, and which is bad for the people, but good for the virus. And they were like, how do we test this? And they're like, well, we can't test this by injecting a bunch of people with HIV. So what is a, something we can test? And they, they started testing the flu vaccine, which injects you with a little bit of the flu. And in the three days after people get a flu vaccine, they are much more likely their behavior changes to go out more party more, be around other people more. They become more extroverted than uh, they normally would be because the virus is affecting their brain. Yeah, and it's ingenious, and I, it's got to be beyond our understanding because our, I think, understanding of how chemicals in the brain affect behavior is kind of elementary, right? We just, everyone always just talks, dopamine does this. Yeah, serotonin, right? Yeah, serotonin right. receptors and dopamine, that's all we care about, right? But how does it get that? targeted then if it's if it's really these just one or two hormones that are driving our behavior you know pleasure versus pain then how could how could it be that targeted so i think there's certainly a world we don't understand there yet but anyway i thought you know there's so much biohacking in this that i thought it would be cool to talk about and it's something i've been interested in we've talked about our rating we've talked about what it's about we talked about biohacking we went on that tangent that was a good tangent and now from a writer's perspective merv how did the writers of the manga and then subsequently the film do with ghost in the shell regale us with your wit storyteller i thought they did pretty well on some things a little lacking on the others which you kind of talked about but the thing i'm going to talk about is like the big twist the section six being the bad guy 
and how that's set up in this. So twist endings are difficult to do. Setups and payoffs are difficult to do just in general. Um, there's a there's a writing adage, Chekhov's gun, a lot of people have heard of. Chekhov stated, if we see a gun in Act 1, it has to go off in Act 3. We have to be um, excited for it. I like that backwards. I like to say, if a gun goes off in Act 3, we have to see it in Act 1. That means we need some setup for any sort of payoff we have. We can't have a twist that is... What ends up being like a shaggy dog ending is what we call it, which is just, oh, it was a dog the whole time. Um, dream endings are a big example of this that people use. Oh, it was it was so all a dream. Up, it was all a dream. Yeah. And that's very it takes everything out of the story, all the stakes, everything. So a good example of this is the sixth sense. The sixth sense really sets up the twist of Bruce Willis's character being dead by the little boy being able to see ghosts by Bruce Willis's character never interacting with anybody and so when the yeah. twist comes the best twist the audience figures it out minutes or seconds before it's revealed those are the best because it makes the audience feel a little smart because they figure it out but they're they don't figure it out early on a bad example is the movie Salt with Angelina Jolie which is, this isn't a great example for movies because probably not a lot of people have seen it, but she's like a CIA operative, but also a Russian spy and it keeps going back. No, she's CIA. No, she's a Russian spy. And then she finally reveals to be a Russian spy, but is working for a different sort of ends. And then Liev Shriver is revealed to be a Russian spy and is trying to kill her. But there's multiple times, multiple points in the story where he could have just killed her. And, and so it's a pull the rug out kind of moment. And that is very jarring for the audience and very unsatisfying for the audience, just like a dream ending. And so this was set up pretty well in terms of we learn about Section 6. We see that they're kind of doing some shady things. They're bringing in a, a cloaked figure. Maybe we don't even know for sure. They're like, look at this heat sensor. It seems to be that this door stayed open for three seconds which seems like someone might be cloaked in there. So there's some nice setup. And so when it's revealed that Section 6 created the Puppet Master, it's a nice twist. Some people in the audience probably had already figured it out and get to feel smart. Some people didn't see it coming but aren't blindsided by it. No one's blindsided by it. So it's a good use of a twist. So I thought this movie set that up pretty well. There's a, a movie called Role Models. It's a comedy, and it's got... Uh, McLovin from Superbad in it, Feel the Beast or whatever. And there's this guy and they're camping and he's around the campfire and he's telling this ghost story. And I don't remember the exact quotes, but at the end he's like, it was Philip all along. And there's just crickets around the campfire. And he's like, come on, guys, it was Philip. He was the pizza delivery boy from the beginning of the story. <laughs> and still crickets. And I feel like you're right, that happens a lot, where it's just, there's this big twist. We're so excited about it. Right. Because we are like the sixth sense, too. And then the audience right. is like crickets. Let's talk about some more things we didn't necessarily like about ghost in the shell and mm -hmm. i'm gonna go ahead and start with one if that's okay yeah i see you have made your decision now let's see you enforce it one of my favorite words ever since high school to use to sound 
and I know it's not a smart person word, but I like to use it as such. Mm-hmm. But a word I like to use a lot, and I've used it already in, in shows we've done, but a word I like to use a lot is obtuse. Mm-hmm. Obtuse. Um, in geometry, obtuse refers to anything over a 90 degree angle. That is an <laughs> obtuse angle, right? But in more, I guess, general language, obtuse refers or describes something that is intentionally difficult to understand for no real reason, right? right? So it's made to sound smart. Exactly. It's made. It's obtuse is like a, it's like a meta word. Yeah. Yeah. It's made to be complex just to smell your own farts, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, right? And we talked about this a little bit with biohackers, right? They'll use these big grandiose statements and talk about all this very, very scientific, complex stuff all at the end of the day to take your temperature or tell you when you're facing north or do something very simple, right? Right. And I feel that Ghost in the Shell can be very obtuse. Um, And I never really like AI movies where the AI is very egotistical and talks about how amazing they are and how awesome they are. There's an example I'd like to give. So the major says to the puppet master, why did you pick me? And the puppet master says, we resemble each other's essence, mere images of one another's psyche. Listen. I am connected to a vast network that has been beyond your reach and experience. To humans, it is like staring at the sun, a blinding brightness, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) It is time to cast aside these boobs, I mean bonds, and to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. It is time to become a part of all things. To me, that is obtuse. It's super abstract. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what also shows, I guess, an example of this in the movie is they will go through the important dialogue at 120 miles per hour. And that was all super important to the story. And then meanwhile, they'll spend a quarter of the movie on just shots of like the flying cars going by to orchestral music or the cityscape. Yeah, that one, that was a weird interlude. There was that weird interlude in there. that, And it's there a few times where they just break to show music. And again, to me, that's obtuse. You're going through all the techno babble super fast to be obtuse, to sound super smart. And then meanwhile, you need to add in these breaks of like, whatever. Philosophizing is cool. I have a philosophy degree. I love philosophizing but do it through scenes, not sequels. And that's what you're talking about. They'll sit and they'll talk and they'll discuss what is it like to be a human? What decisions would we make if blah, blah, blah. You do it through scenes, not sequels. An example of this is the, is the matrix. Do you want the red pill or the blue pill? That is a scene. You are making a choice. The character is doing an action. They're not going, what would you choose if you could forget all this stuff and live a nice life where it's... Fr- they don't do that philosophizing without any sort of here's a choice you make the red pill or the blue pill and then it's a scene instead what what will this character choose uh, instead of just the talking about it yeah a hundred percent i would love to have seen more things than be told more things or or have it be impactful it was a cool juxtaposition the two characters because what you have basically is the human 
moving towards being a robot and the robot moving towards being a human and that's their intersection but there's a lot of scenes you could do with that especially if you make the puppet master just a true antagonist and fighting with the major to take her brain and her him saying you know you don't need your brain you're not you're barely using it it's the only humanity you have left just let me take it and you know and her actually fighting no it is the only humanity i have left i want to keep that why i don't know you know then you can have this you can kind of have the same conversations but in scene as opposed to just two people at a coffee shop shooting the shit that would make even more sense because there's parts where she's considering that exact thing she's like i have brain cells in my head but what does that mean mm-hmm. so it would have it would have set that up nicely. I just always cringe whenever I hear AI in movies telling us humans how dumb we are. To right. me, that's the movie creator telling us, the audience, how dumb we are. I feel like that's them like self-inserting themselves philosophically into this movie. and <laughs> Like they think they're the all-knowing AI. Yes. Yes. And we're the dumb plebs that just don't get it and can't understand it. Whatever. Um Another one I have, and this this came up in a couple others we've talked about, but it's an hour and 20 minute movie, hour and 22 minute movie, if you want to be exact. And I clocked 35 minutes in before we ghosted in the machine at all. So we had to wait 35 minutes before we ghosted machines at all in this movie. And you just, again, I feel like there's a lot of wasted space in here. For a movie that at first glance feels like it has a lot to say, it sure doesn't spend a lot of time saying it. And I'm all for nudity. Like, I don't care what kind of nudity it is. I just like it. Yeah. Have you joined us yet? If not, then I'm sorry. I won't be sharing my dinner with you. But it's like, should kind of serve the story in some way. Yeah. And the only thing it said here is if you're a cyborg, you need to be naked in this movie. If right. you're a girl cyborg, you're going to be naked. And that's what it wasn't. Uh, Batal was naked, too, but they didn't show anything. Yeah. Right. Wasn't he naked at some point? I was like, why aren't they showing like his butt or something? Like, let's turn about his fair play. I don't know. Yep. That is a diss I would not usually feel like I have. And in fact, in another recent anime that we watched, I was like, just show nudity. Either go for it or don't go for it. But this one went for it a little too much. I like that you said that because first time I saw this, I was a teenager. So you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, this is the best cartoon I've ever seen in my life. Right. And then now as an adult with more of my, I have access to more of my actual brain, right? Instead of my little brain. Right. Not just your lizard brain. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. I also felt the exact same thing. Another one I have, and this is kind of a bummer because even Brian Cranston is in this movie as one of the, I don't remember, something Mills or something like that. He does a voice in this. For the English dub, I didn't think it was very good. Like I didn't think the voice acting was very good. It was very flat a lot of the time. And what bothered me about that the most, because we've watched some stuff with some amazing voice acting where they made the show or they made the movie yeah um and here it was just very flat and what was a bummer is more a lot of the time they're talking just through their brains telepathically 
using their brain connection, whatever, right? Right. So there wasn't any limitation of the mouth movement for the dub. None whatsoever. You didn't have to match words 100%. You didn't have to worry about, does the mouth look like it's saying those words? So I felt like there's a lot of freedom to really get the voice acting right. Like you said, this is one of the first animes that came over, probably one of the first English dubs. I mean, there were obviously Kurosawa and samurai movies and martial art movies that came over, Bruce Lee movies and stuff that came over before with dubbing. But I feel like voice acting has come a long way from from this time is probably part yeah. of that. Yeah, I think that's fair. And in 2014, they did. I know for at least one character, they replaced the voice actor. And I'm assuming mm -hmm. because that one was really bad right. um, so they did have someone else do some new so i'm sure they saw that as an opportunity too but if we're to be fair we have to judge based off of the lens we have today yeah what right? it is so, yeah yep did you have anything else for the district yeah the ending was anticlimactic to me this and i was honestly surprised by the credits because this really felt to me like the end of act two we're going into act three and we will have more movie um, as this wraps up. And the kind of implications of this merge are then seen and enacted upon the world. But it was just credits. Yeah, you end up with not one, but two AI voices in a little girl telling a human that he's an idiot and quoting some corinthians 13 and then credits yeah yeah i agree and even though i know i even kind of use this as a reason myself earlier but even if there is more content that you still have to take this for the face of what it is and i think you did a good job with that for sure i didn't even consider that until you brought it up and now i'm like yeah that was abrupt and maybe because i was a little bit less inclined to love it this time around when it ended, I was kind of like, okay, cool. Now I can move on with my life. <laughs> so, um, but that's a, that's very, yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. Um, my, my best example of this, and I know some people really like this movie, but I do not, is Castaway. The movie Castaway with Tom Hanks, where he's gone on a desert island for 20 years or whatever, how many years it is. And that's like an hour and a half of the movie of him like surviving and making the volleyball his friend and kind of going crazy. And yeah, it's a great it's great acting like Tom Hanks mm -hmm. is going to give you great acting always. And that's very difficult to do. Being on screen alone is a very difficult yeah. thing to do. And he pulls it off. He comes home and his wife is remarried and he has to fit back in. That's the beginning of the story. <laughs> that's like the interesting, right. how, how do him and his wife reconcile this? How does this affect him moving forward? How does this affect his wife moving forward? How does that's the beginning of the story, but it's in this movie that's like five minutes at the end. He's like, Well, I'm yeah. home. Oh, well, I got a new husband. All right, see ya. <laughs> and it's like that's the that's the interesting part. That's that's the that's the beginning. Yeah, and he, he can just kind of move on after spending all that time probably right. thinking about nothing but her and getting back right. home to her and then she's and he's like oh cool you know no problem i got my volleyball right i figured it all out yeah yeah that's a really good point i would much rather watch castaway that starts there that yeah. starts at the castaway coming home i mean it's kind of rip van winkle but whatever it's that that's the idea like all these things that have changed and how do you that's that's where you get the fish out of water um almost literally yeah let's talk about 
some of our favorite things about Ghost in the Shell, the movie that we watched for mm-hmm. this episode. Well, again, we're going to talk about philosophy because I like philosophizing. And the philosophy was interesting. And we have one of our old friends here on the podcast, Renee Descartes, who, nice. who is where we get these, these ideas from. The Ghost in the Machine is how uh, another philosopher, Riles, I think Riles coined that phrase, but it's how he described Descartes' mind-body dichotomy or dualism, that the mind is a kind of supernatural entity, not supernatural, but non-physical entity. It is the mind. It's It exists out there uh, where the body is a physical object. And so how do they interact? And so that's Descartes' dualism. That's what uh, Riles was, was talking about when he said the ghost in the machine. He was talking about the, the brain or the mind, the consciousness being a ghost in the machine of the body. And obviously this movie takes a lot of its ideas from that ghost in the shell very similar to ghost in the machine Mm -hmm. both cool sayings um i hope that once we do have the singularity that the ais aren't as egotistical as they are (laughs) in the movies and shows but we'll see i do there's some really cool details in the movie some things that they did that just make it better so an example of that is how the major doesn't blink I don't even know if she blinks at all, but I know she blinks at the very least very little to just add that unnaturalness about her being a cyborg. There's mm-hmm. like no blinking going on where, you know, I just blinked four or five times while I'm talking about that. Well, now that you're talking about blinking, we're probably both blinking. Like, yeah, we're like a hundred miles. <laughs> is my eye yeah. watered enough? <laughs> I got something in there. Another one that I really like is, so there's the new guy. He's that just started and gosh, I don't know if I should include this or not. So I might cut it, but he's like the diversity hire. She even says, we brought you on because you're mostly human. The only thing that you have is a little bit of brain augmentation. So we brought you in to round out our police force because you're mostly human and I'm a cyborg. She doesn't say that, but that's the implication. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I like is the new guy who is mostly human, we'll just say he is human, he uses a revolver yeah. instead of like the automatic computerized weapons that the rest of them use. And Batau or Batau or Batau, whatever, even makes a comment because he gets a lucky shot and gets a tracker on the vehicle that's leaving with the puppet master. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, if you were using an automatic weapon, you would have got two trackers on there. <laughs> right. And that was another link telling the audience that he's using this revolver because he's old school and the new school doesn't think that's cool, but just little details like that. It gets the job done. Yeah, exactly. The other one that I thought was awesome was when that when the tank was shooting in the tank scene where she's fighting the tank and she's ducking behind these giant cement pillars and the tank's like shooting through them and the bullets are hitting and dust is flying off. And then all of a sudden there's all these sparks and the dust clears because there's rebar in the middle of these giant. Mm, yeah. And like, just to think of that is like a really, just real attention to detail there. What else do you have that you liked? Yes, I have the world building and I love when they think of logical conclusions. And some of the things here is like, well, if people had cybernetic brains, 
that were attached to a computer. Well, we can hack computers, so we can hack these brains. And if we can hack these brains, we can insert memories. And if we can insert memories, we can control people. And the world kind of makes the movie in a lot of ways because they think through those things. I also have the world building, even just from a a visual aesthetic. You know, the new guy has on his Miami Vice outfit. He's got a suit jacket with a t-shirt on underneath. And then there's big puffy coats, but then there's flying cars. And it's very Blade Runner in that way, or mm-hmm. where it's that kind of that mishmash of style. But I, I also feel it stands on its own. It has enough differentiating aesthetic to really make it its own. And I feel like even this has been copied a lot as far as how the cyborgs are designed and kind of the predator cloak, you know, invisibility effect. And there's a, there's a lot of things that I feel like you see like those little eye things as eye enhancements all the time. And I yes. don't yep. think I really saw it before this, like the, the little tiny, even in the matrix Morpheus wears like the glasses that almost resemble that. Like they're just little mm-hmm. tiny glasses. And that aesthetic I think is carried through into pop culture, into cyberpunk. Yeah. I think it's sometimes hard to, to determine who took from who but i feel like this is this is one that has impacted a lot of other entertainment so the world is very cool and to me without that it would have been an even less of a recommendation that piece really makes it for me i also love that tank that mech tank fight mm-hmm. ah this it's that scene is amazing and the part this carries through i think it's a really cool scene in the live action too and i know people have their opinions on that one way or the other i've never seen it since you like this one it might be i would be interested in what your thoughts were if you watched it maybe we'll do a bonus video on like the live action yeah yeah that would be good i'd be down for that let us know in the comments below if you would enjoy that or on discord yeah but there's that part where she's trying to open the top of the tank and just like wrecks herself. And just the way that was drawn was very visceral. It was really, really well done. So that whole fight, everything about it, I love that as well. What else do you have? The setups I thought were really, really well handled. We saw a lot of things that we waited to the the thermal camo that we saw almost right away came back in the tank scene and came back mm-hmm. in the diplomat scene if it was only at the beginning scene it would have felt like uh, it's kind of chintz she has this camel that makes her invisible so she gets away but we see it come back multiple times and other people using it on her and so it becomes a motif instead of just a very convenient way for her to escape i also did really like the garbage truck driver story mm-hmm. and this is a little bit of both for me so i i just i thought that was really cool and it was meaningful and impactful they did a really good job of taking the time for him to really say all these issues he was having with his wife or ex-wife or whatever and the kid and telling the other driver you don't understand you don't have kids or whatever and right. the other guy's like i don't care about that stuff right i i thought that was really poignant where it fell off a little bit for me is that storyline happened pretty quick. And then there was a bunch of garbledy gook. So to me, there was more time to do more with that. But I do really like that story. And then actually the last one I have for the, the favorite bits is it does feel like it's a movie that will be prophetic, meaning that at some point in the future, there will be versions of these things that happen in this film 
and everyone will look back and like Star Trek, right? The communicators became cell phones. I think even the guy from Motorola somehow was yeah, based the, the flip phone, phone on the yeah, flip yeah, phone on the yeah. on the communicator. Yeah, I do feel at some point people will look look back at this and go, "That was prophetic," because these things are here. In fact, it's funny you mentioned the the little eye augmentation that Batuo has the biohacked individual who saw the banana that I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, those implants look eerily similar to that. But I do feel it's prophetic. And it, as time moves on more and more, we'll be like, oh, yeah, those are things that Ghost in the Shell figured out or whatever. Right. Anything else you would like to add to the list? No, I think that did it for me. All right. Well, this has been a good episode. I got a lot out of it. I think there were some pretty good tangents. Also, I would love to hear if if anyone's interested in in the take on the live action. I would certainly visit that uh, for sure. Yeah, enjoy the outro, and we will talk to you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. It's over for you. You're done. But you'll be back. <laughs> Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.